This is AudibleGate. The journey to a fair deal for authors and narrators, with your hosts, Jacob and Jason. Bringing you the real facts and people behind this truly mind-blowing cluster And Bezos said, I'll put any amount of makeup on, I'll be invisible, nobody will know it's me, but I want a speaking part, and I want it to be in a scene that is central to the storyline so that I cannot end up on the cutting room floor. So the director of Star Trek Beyond created the great Bezos creature, because he had no choice, along with every living thing which populates space, the final frontier. And the movie received an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. And what does this have to do with anything? Well, if you work hard to generate that positive energy whilst overseeing a company that seems to engage in questionable business practices that include making authors and narrators pay when shoppers return their books, then one day you too can force yourself into five seconds of a Star Trek movie. Hello and welcome back to the official Audible Gate podcast supporting the equitable rights movement. It's a special one this time because it's time to wish a belated happy birthday to you, Jason. Yay, thank you. You want to sing to me? <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy <laughs> birthday, dear Jason. Happy birthday Ooh. to you. Yeah. I'll put in like some sound effects. Fireworks. You're not known <laughs> for your singing, are you? Listen, yeah. All right. Let's Listen, not talk yeah. about this. <laughs> well, where are we? Um, let's see. We've spoken to individual authors over the past couple episodes about their experiences with AudibleGate and how it's it seems to be mostly negatively affecting them. Um, so we thought it would be great to talk to someone who can shed some light on this from the independent publisher's perspective and uh, give us something of like a bird's eye view of the whole industry. So we decided to get in touch with Orna Ross from the Alliance mm-hmm. of Independent Authors, a.k.a. Ally. Orna co-founded Ally back in 2012 as an association to help support independent authors all over the world. To date, Ally has thousands and thousands of members from every continent. Does that include Antarctica, I wonder? Antarctica. What about Antarctica? Yeah. Recently, Orna Ross was called one of the 100 most influential people in publishing by the bookseller Literary Magazine. That's quite a thing to say about our forthcoming guest. It really is. So it's super exciting for us and a privilege, really, to be able to talk to Orna about Audible Gates. So turn up the volume and settle in for a wonderful chat. Oh, that was just so creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Should I I do that bit again? I don't know. (laughs) Jacob, here we have Ms. What is your full name and your title? Who are you? Tell us about yourself. (laughs) It's Orna Ross, and um, I'm director of the Alliance of Independent Authors and, of course, an author myself. Fantastic. And whereabouts in the world are you based at the moment? Speaking to you from London, England. What is the Alliance of Independent Authors, Ally, and what does Ally do? We're essentially a professional organisation for self-publishing authors. So we have lots of benefits that we we offer to our members, discounts and deals. Community is the main thing and support from each other for our publishing advice. We have an advisory board. 
but essentially we're also the the voice, I suppose, for the independent author. So we do a lot of advocacy work. Uh, we have an open up to indie authors campaign. We do lots of other campaigning work, and and that's where Audiblegate comes in for us. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I shored you before <laughs> you shored me. I, 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 I went up to your sureness. So, about how many people are a part of Ally? We have thousands of members all over the world and we've lots of different membership categories. So we have, you know, for the aspiring authors, somebody who's just planning on publishing and all the way through to people who are making a serious income uh, from publishing. And also we have a membership as well for services, editors, designers, you know, all the people that authors draw on to make their books and um, narrators, voice people, every everybody really. So we're just 10 years old next year and we were really taken by surprise at how quickly this whole thing grew. It, it started, uh, it was supposed It was supposed to be small. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's not how it turned out. From small things, from small things, big uh, things it's come. Essentially, a, almost a, a union for independent authors, I suppose. Yeah, it's impossible to unionize creatives, uh, you know, unless you work in Hollywood or, or you've got a distinct employer that you're dealing with. And it's it's definitely impossible to unionize indie authors. It's a very, very broad church and people's needs are very different. But we do try to represent, you know, the broad base as much as we can. And we certainly talk to the people like Ingram, Spark, um, KDP, Audible and, and so on regularly and we're always pushing for improvements and you know have made many changes over the years and continue to do that we are you know it's interesting that you talk about unions i think unions are in many ways a thing of the past but i think what's a thing of the future is author empowerment mm -hmm. and what has happened in the self-publishing space over the last 10 years has completely changed how authors think about themselves as as workers as individuals We've had to make this shift from being professionals who were hired by other people to largely running our own businesses. And that has required all sorts of mindset shifts, which, uh, you know, are interesting in terms of what authors will and, and will not accept now. You mentioned briefly earlier, talking to Audible a lot and having those kind of conversations and advocating for independent authors, essentially. Specifically with the Audiblegate situation, how did you and Ally get involved with Audiblegate and Susan May? Well, we saw what Susan was doing and, you know, right back at the beginning when she started her Facebook group and we could see that something, for a long time, there was a sense that something was not adding up. We get a lot of feedback from our author members all the time about all sorts of things. And some things are one-offs, but you, you do see patterns as they start to emerge. And it was a sense that something wasn't right, but no sort of real understanding of it. And, you know, it was clear from the start that Susan was and Colleen were doing some very interesting calculations. They were really diving in deep at a level that nobody else had and coming up with some you know, really quite interesting ideas. And at that time, Susan was um, speaking to the Authors Guild. And then we reached out to her and said, you know, really like what you're doing. If we can support in any way, let us know. And uh, it's kind of grown from there. If you could cherry pick one outstanding 
shocking element of everything having to do with what we've been talking about in our previous episodes and what's been going on since uh, last October with the glitch. Yeah, what's most shocking to me is that Audible ACX think it's okay, <laughs> you know, that they have uh, tacitly um, said this is happening by saying, okay, we'll bring back, uh, you know, we'll bring back the, the reporting of returns. We won't make you liable for 365 days anymore. You're only liable for seven. Mm-hmm. But also shouldn't be liable at all. And, and that, you know, essentially they've said, yes, we have been doing that. We have been and we're going to continue to do it, but only for seven days and be happy with that. So that to me is the, is the most shocking thing that it has tacitly been sort of said and, and there it is and you must put up with it really. Mm. So that's what I find most shocking. And you mentioned that you said to Susan and to Colleen, if there was you know, anything you could do to support them, what could you do to help? Now, I know that Ally was involved with sending a public letter, I believe, to Audible ACX that was signed by well over 10,000 authors internationally. Uh, would you be able to tell us a little bit more about kind of what Ally has done in the Audible Gate campaign so far? Yeah, so I mean, we we were very involved in bringing in um, lots of other organisations in for that support, and also, of course, authors who weren't aware of it. So, I think it's uh, really important to make everybody realise that this is not just about audiobook authors. So I don't know if if how aware you are, but you know most independent authors publish an ebook. And, yeah. and then it tends to be print and audio yeah. until quite recently. I mean, I think that's changing. I, I would nearly say audio is becoming a number two for a lot of people now, but certainly it has been something. It's a more expensive commitment and not everybody kind of gets involved. But I, I would see a big part of our job here has been to alert the rest of the writing community, the publishing community, and the authors who don't publish audiobooks themselves. But as far as we're concerned, you know, what's happening here is something that needs to change. And the reason it needs to change is the agreements are not good enough. Authors don't read the agreements. They sign them because they feel they have no choice. And it's really important that the agreements that we're signing are fair and that everybody has looked at them and that, you know, they are seen to be fair and, and so on. And we're a long way from that. And so it, what's happening here is a wake-up call, I think. It's not just about what's happening with Audible. It's, it's, a, it's a deeper issue. It's a, it's mm. a more important issue. And I think the main thing is that authors, it's around this whole idea of exclusivity and being locked in. And we are passionate at Ally about non-exclusivity. It's really important as an independent author not to tie yourself. You're not independent if you're tied in to one person who can um, then has all the power in the relationship. Sure. The, we keep our power in our publishing relationships by you know not going exclusive. And that's yeah. true all around the board. Temporary exclusivity can make sense strategically. That's fine but permanently locking yourself in for seven years to a situation where the other party holds all the cards and, you know, can do the kinds of things that are happening here, that's not okay. This letter that went out with the many signatures and, you know, the overwhelming support, 
it was something that was in tandem with other organizations. Now, I happen to be a member of the Dramatists Guild, and I'm curious how that relationship slash partnership, let's say, came about. And has there been any overall effect from uniting with such a large organization as that? Well, we wrote to lots of organizations and asked them to lend their support and to put their, you know, put their logo on. And I think we're at the early stages of the this kind of cross-community solidarity making mm-hmm. a difference. I don't think it's made enough of a difference just yet. There are plans, as you know, um, there are sort of stages that are coming now in the campaign that can't really talk about just yet. Mm-hmm. But I think it's as they begin to hit in, the more we can all unite. And this is a unique situation where we're, you know, we have narrators, publishing people who are affected by this as well, small publishers, you know, we have the author community, obviously, agents are beginning to ask questions about it. As you say, dramatists skilled, you know, these are people who don't normally come together. And it's only audio that would unite um, such a wide and disparate group. Mm. And so I think, you know, it's as we go forward, more and more organizations are, are signing up to support. And, you know, when people hear about it, they're genuinely shocked and they want to be involved and they want to lend such support as they can. Some organizations are constrained by their policy documents as to what they can and can't do. Sometimes they can't take a political stand. In some cases, they may also have Audible on their board or whatever. And it's still, uh, you know, they can have conversations with them, but not necessarily do a public thing. But certainly there's been a lot of support and it's great to see that cross-community ripple. And I think that's what will make a difference here in the end. My question with that and that kind of massive, not union, but the unification on this single cause of all these different bodies. And you mentioned a moment ago that Ally exploded much more than you'd expected. And, you know, it started with the intention of being small and then snowballed to this much larger body. Do you think that that is because of the popularity now of online publishing and self-publishing and the ease of access that we have to that through services like KDP and many smaller indie publishing houses, should we say. Do you think there was a demand among authors and creatives to join a group such as Ally? Definitely. The reason Ally exists is because I looked for an organisation to join and there wasn't one. And I really, really, really felt that there should be. And yes, there is no doubt about it. Self-publishing has taken us all by surprise. We all knew that there was pent up creative demand in the writing community, but nobody knew the extent of it. We all knew that there were some entrepreneurial authors out there. But the received wisdom was that Authors wanted paternalistic publishers to kind of look after all the business end of things while they got on and just did their writing. And self-publishing has really made a lie of that. That is a myth. Mm -hmm. There are vast tranches of authors who really welcome the creative freedom and control that self-publishing gives them. And yeah, so self-publishing, we have grown exponentially because self-publishing has grown exponentially. What do you say to those independent publishers that are forming closer relationships with Audible while Audiblegate is happening or publishers who look at this whole thing kind of flippantly? 
I have been disappointed by the response of some people. Undoubtedly, yeah. this is something that happens always um, when there is a cause like this. And I am hopeful that over time, as things grow and become clearer, because we still have a lot of mm-hmm. we have a lack of clarity here. And that's one of the things that's difficult and, and one of the reasons that we owe such a great debt to Susan and Colleen and everybody yourselves and everybody who's bringing more clarity to the various strands of it. It's complex. It's hard to understand. It's very easy to switch off. But yeah, you're talking about people who, you know, for vested interest, really, maybe people in the community, in the author community in particular, who are not kind of speaking out or or getting involved. It's disappointing, but I think it will change over time. Sure. With that idea of change, what do you think Audible or ACX have to change in, in their ways of doing their business for you or Ali to foresee having something like a Star Trek-like future? You know, what, what do you think would be good for them to do? I have to confess to not being a Trekkie at any level, so I'm not even sure what you mean. Oh, but. oh, 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 but 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 I do, but I do have to, I do have to point out to Jacob that even Orna is not a fan, but she still knows the word Trekkie, and Jacob did not. No comment. I had to teach that to him. Look at that. Plausible deniability because we don't have it recorded, Jacob. Um, but but Orna, like, but the the heart of the question, the meat of the question, you know, what what do they have to change to uh, for for you to be happy with continuing to have any kind of relationship with them. It's never too far gone, as far as I'm concerned. What we're talking about here is changing hearts and minds, and uh, you know we'll keep going. And there are various ways to do that. We're approaching it in a number of different ways. As I said, there's dialogue going on at Audible to change some things. Um, they have kind of made it clear that where their line is. We won't be happy. Our our line is very completely aligned with where Susan and and Colleen have drawn the line. We need them to fully accept that authors should only be responsible for true returns. We should not have to pay for their marketing experiment or their marketing policy. And it's terrible that that was ever thought to be okay. That's number one. So authors should only be responsible for true returns. Number two is having admitted that these funds were secretly taken from our accounts, then there needs to be some compensation for that. It's not okay to just say, sorry, we did something that's such a gross, you just cannot do business. You know, we're business partners, allegedly. You cannot do business. It's the first thing of business that you've got clarity of accounting and financial probity. And and in a case where that didn't happen for whatever reason, um, it needs to be acknowledged and, and recompensed. And then I think that shows goodwill. And we can go from there. We would hope so, yeah. <laughs> and we can live long and prosper from that point on. Yes, and ev- everyone can prosper that, that, here. I, I do recognize that, that, the reference, actually. Even I got Okay, okay good, 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 good. <laughs> not, all, not all is lost. And, good. <laughs> if you don't know that, I don't know. You've been living under some rock for the longest time. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> but we got there. We got there. That's the important land. thing. <laughs> but then I got it. <laughs> We, we, I, I, I just put it out there, and I just, I just let it float out there, just hoping that it would land. But it, it did. Okay. But you know, it's, it's a great word. If I could just speak about the prosper thing, just uh, uh, dissociated from its reference, it, 
it is actually a great a great word because you know there is room for everyone here to mm. prosper and and that's with what's happening in audiobook you know in in that territory with the explosion of interest in audio which shows no sign of reversing i mean we've got lots of of mileage ahead here you know there is no reason why everybody who's involved in audiobooks can't prosper and should and and i think in a sense we've been a victim of the growth because it has been so massive so many people have done well and are so surprised and delighted at how well they have done that in a sense it has masked what's been going on for maybe the mid-lister and and the authors who are not at the top end of the bestseller list in in audiobooks Mm. so you know with some simple changes here everyone can prosper and i think that should be our aim nice Obviously, we have this ideal of everyone prospering and it being a a good deal for everyone. What do you think are the biggest challenges in achieving that for both authors and Audible to go from where we are now to this ideal utopia situation with selling of audiobooks and production of audiobooks? What are the biggest challenges in getting there? I think the exclusivity stuff needs to be sorted out. The relationship between the rights holder and narrator and the royalty share and all of that is still very indistinct. So we've had this good kind of news that we can go from exclusive to non-exclusive, which wasn't possible before. But it's not that simple when you've got a royalty share deal and it's like the royalty share people are still being tied in for seven years, whereas if you've paid for your production, you're kind of free to go. So there's a lot to be tidied up there. Um, I think the other aspect of it is we need complete clarity about how many sales, I mean, it's so basic, but how many sales we've made, any returns that have come in, need to, we need to see them. We need to know when, if we've invested in a marketing promotion or whatever, the what sales have been generated by that. In other words, we need far more clarity in the dashboard. We need, and there are good models here for ACX Audible. You know, KDP, as it's not perfect, no service is perfect. We don't expect perfection, but there's good model there on some of their systems, which it, it will be easy for their sister company to, yeah. to copy, whereby, you know, you, you can see these things and you can see them clearly and you have, you know, you don't have full visibility by any means. Means. I mean, ideally, we should actually know who's buying our books and so on. That's something that we're privy to. But these gross kind of problems are so obvious. They're so glaring. If we could just tidy those up for starters, as I said, then we could get into, into dialogue about more detail. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What kind of advice would you give to authors uh, and narrators and everybody who makes this uh, this particular engine run, what kind of advice would you give them if they are interested in coming into things now and starting to uh, open up their own shop, let's say? Where, where to go right now if you want to get in on the game or, or should you wait? I'm not a believer in waiting. I'm a believer in getting on with things, you know, and and moving with improvements as they come or, or getting better options and taking them as they arrive. So I wouldn't hold off here is number one. We're not advising people to not use ACX. We're advising people to be non-exclusive. They own, you know, their market share is huge. Unless you have an actual, you know, ethical or activist objection 
to what's going on here, which, you know, lots of authors have and we completely support that and understand it. But as I said, India is a broad church and people have to make a living and, and so on. So our recommendation is be non-exclusive. And that's our recommendation anyway, across the board. And definitely check out the other options. Now, that's not simple either, because most of the other dependents recently, we did a, a post on alternatives to Audible, uh-huh. which people can get on our self-publishing advice website, selfpublishingadvice.org. If you just search alternatives to Audible, you'll get that there. And for any members who might be listening, it's in your member magazine. There's a table there which compares their terms of service, their charges and so on. You're providing the information and letting people do their due diligence and then and go with their guts. Yeah, and go which 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 service kind of um, seems to to work. And you know, some of them are are doing things in very different ways now, and there's real competition coming in. Of course, a lot of these services are earning most of their money by supplying ACX Audible. Um, anyway, you know, they are aggregator services in the main, but they also reach out to other parts of the world. This is the thing that people forget because Amazon is so dominant in the US and yeah. the UK and in a few other countries there are just so many territories where amazon is not and so anyway quite aside from all of this uh, you know you're missing out on big parts of the Mm. world if you're amazon exclusive Mm -hmm. so yeah really would encourage people to look and see again i think it's complex and people go oh you know uh, their heart fails kind of thing and they think they can't do it or whatever but it's not as as difficult as it seems once you get stuck in there and that's part of our role is to try and make it clearer and easier, more accessible for everybody. So we'll continue trying to bring the information. So that everyone can prosper. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Where do you see the India audiobook industry, I suppose, headed if things don't change from from how they are now? Do you know, it's just the kind of person that I am. I don't think that way. There will be change. That's what I feel, you know, it's changing all I really like that answer. That's slick. (laughs) That's so positive. I like that. There's happiness in that sentiment. We've already won concessions that would have seemed unlikely, just honestly, less than a year ago. And that's just the start. It's not all doom and gloom. Well, Orna, thank you so much for, yeah, for coming thank you, on. Orna, so much. Uh, obviously, Likewise. it's been a, a difficult one to, to schedule Thanks into all work. of our, our busy lives at the moment, but it's been fantastic to talk to you. So thank you for coming on and, and spending the time with Jason and myself. I'm not going to say live long and prosper. I'm not going to do that. But, <laughs> but, may, but you know what? We're a little bit late, but may the fourth be with you. <laughs> I was waiting oh, for it. <laughs> uh, on, on that note, let's let's wrap it up there and um, and call it a day, shall we? Thanks, guys. Brilliant. Take care. Well, thank right. you. Thank Take you. Care. Thank you. Bye now. Alrighty. Thank you, Orna Ross, once again. Jacob, you know, there, there's something to be said about positivity, don't you think? Absolutely. I think, you know, I said it to Orna at the end there that her mentality throughout all of this is just so positive. It is, there will be change. And I think that's such a refreshing attitude to to have in this situation because it's very easy to view this all through a negative lens. But it's not all bad news, is it, Jason? No, absolutely not. This idea, you know, a little Star Trek fun here, but, you know, this idea of everybody being able 
to prosper. And, and I understand that people are always looking for clarity. And if there can be clarity, complete clarity, transparency from Audible's and ACX's side, there will be room for change. And then everybody actually can prosper without anybody having to experience any of the negative emotions and feelings like what we've heard from some of our previous guests. It's exciting to know that this is moving forward and that there are bodies that have tens of thousands of of Mm -hmm. members like Ally that are advocating and pushing and trying to create a better deal for everyone involved. Yeah. So we will press on and we will prosper. Yes. We will press on (laughs) and we will prosper. If you'd like to read more about AudibleGate, please visit audiblegate.com, where you'll find further analysis into the growing situation with regular updates, including Susan May and Colleen Cross's original blog posts. And please share this podcast on all your social media with hashtag AudibleGate to keep the momentum going. This is a serious situation with potential legal and financial ramifications, and it's really important we reach as many people as possible. Thanks to Orchestralis, Serpent Sound Studios, and Deep Choir for the music and quotes used in this episode. This has been a J-Squared B-Cubed production. Written, directed, and edited by Jason Lasky and Jacob Daniels. This is Audible Gate.